1: I okay. <clears throat> Hello?
2: Hello.
0: Hey, is this Ted? This is Ted. Ted, hi. My name is Jay Heilman. How are you doing this morning?
2: Very good, Jay. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Glad to have you join us on the show today. My pleasure. All right. Um, and just uh, get my stuff ready to record here. Uh, this interview is not going to be live so we're not live on the radio or anything. We'll go back and edit stuff later on if, if we need to. Um, but my goal is to uh, get it on our show here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I told Lori that um, I wanted to try to get you on before the the DVD actually hit stores, but we couldn't make that happen. So, the glad, glad to talk to you today. Grew up a huge fan of Million Dollar Man and all of WWF. And I call it WWF. I refuse to call it WWE because <laughs> I've known it by one name my whole life. And
2: I understand. I understand.
0: Yeah, so what we'll do today, um, obviously, uh, the first part of the interview is going to be about kind of your wrestling career. Uh, then we'll go into the DVD. And then we'll go into um, the last part I wanted to talk about your testimony, how you came to know Christ. Uh, that way people kinda know where you're coming from. People who may not be as familiar with you, which I kinda asked the question where have they been? They haven't heard of the million dollar man, so <laughs> yeah. so that'll be our question. And um oh, Okay. My microphone turned on here and we'll be ready to go. And what I wanted to do was um you're you're known for the the saying, uh, everyone's got a price for the million dollar man. I'm going to ask you that question right here at the beginning of the call. So, if that's my ask, that's sure. why I'm asking that kind of.
1: All right, I'm going to go ahead and get the start and we'll be ready to go. Are you now you're you're calling from Mississippi today, right? Correct. Okay, I am going to make sure I want to reference um, the right thing. All right. Do it again. All right. We are ready. Sorry, my program's uh, kind of going slow here for a second. All right, we're go, sorry about that.
0: Our guest on today's show is considered one of the greatest and most polarizing wrestling legends of all time, and behind the bad guy persona was a man who knew he needed more in life after indiscretions on the road. He chose to seek a path of righteousness instead. Big welcome to wrestling legend Ted DiBiase, a.k.a. the Million Dollar Man. Ted, how are you doing today, brother?
2: I'm very good. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great. We're so glad you can join us here on the show today and you know growing up a huge wrestling fan i just gotta hear you say it to me bro what was
2: that what was that saying again everybody's got a price for the million dollar man (laughs) there i gave you the whole stick (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's awesome yes sir well ted you joined us today from your home in mississippi to chat about your life in wrestling the journey that god has had you on and Of course, the brand new documentary focused on that career called *The Price of Fame*. So let's start with a few questions about your wrestling career. Now, you're best known by your ring name, the Million Dollar Man. Um, Take us back in time a bit and tell us where the name and persona came from.
2: Well, I had been in wrestling. I mean, number one, I grew up in it. My father was, my stepfather was a professional wrestler, so I I grew up loving it. I got in right out of college. Uh, actually, completed three years of college and then, like a dummy, didn't go back for my senior year. Instead, you know, I wrestled that summer and my career took off. But, um, you know, 12 years later, uh, I made the WWF that started, you know, in the early 80s to start to climb when Vince McMahon Jr. took over after his father uh, gave up the ship and WrestleMania started. So, uh, my character came along just after WrestleMania three, and then the the idea, the the concept for this character was actually Vince McMahon's personal idea. I was actually told that if, if he were going to be a character in his own show, this is who he would be. And so, and the character, the Million Dollar Man, is the villain. He's the he he's a he's a rich bully. He bullied people with his wealth, and you know, like a, the, the like the thing that I just said, everybody's got a price this character is a character who thought that he could buy anybody or anything that money was the end all the end all and uh and of course uh like most bullies uh most bullies are cowards and so whenever i would i would talk real big and then somebody would actually confront me you know then i would kind of you know you cower down and, and not cower back but i had i had my sidekick this guy we called Virgil the great big guy with the big guns and everything and i'd step put virgil there in front of me and anyway I, I was just a character that was very easy to hate and i i get that from fans a lot today they'll come i'll do an autograph signing somewhere and they'll say don't be offended mr DiBiase," but i hated your guts and i go thank you very much that was the whole idea uh i was the, the arch villain and you know and i wrestled guys in my era hulk hogan of course was the biggest star and uh uh I traveled uh for almost a year uh with Andre the Giant as a as a partner uh, you know, after WrestleMania 4 and uh but then it just it just took off it just uh it was just one of those things that uh at the right place at the right time and 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 wrestling not only the right timing for me but for the right timing in wrestling because now wrestling was going to heights nobody nobody ever expected now now we're traveling the world like uh Rock stars. I mean, literally, not just the United States. We're going to Europe. We're going around. The, we're going around the world, and all of a sudden now, there's action figures and video games and, and all that comes along with with uh, with that ride with the fame. Well, I and I was you know, right there in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, and you know, growing up uh, in the '80s, I actually remember uh, my grandmother used to buy me and my uncle these uh, wrestling figures, these solid rubber wrestling figures, and him and I used to do role-playing stuff. Of course, he would always, uh, you know, take the Hulk Hogan one first, and I was always the one that took the Million Dollar Man one because your persona on screen was kind of the things that that I wish that I could do and get away with, but I knew if I really acted like that, (laughs) that my grandma would tear (laughs) me up.
2: (laughs) I understand.
0: now as a as a million dollar man I'm sure you know when you're out there and you had all these fans and stuff and you, you were hated by a lot of fans, uh, but when you saw these crowds and the fact that the persona Million Dollar Man was not really you in real life, did, did that like all the boos and all of the response, negative response you got when you went out there, did that ever affect you personally when you're out no. for each night?
2: Uh, no, because I mean, it's just like an actor in a movie. You know, when you walk into a movie, you know, it's not real. And Vince McMahon announced to the whole world that we were sports entertainment. And so I, I'm role playing. So when I would walk through the curtain and the, 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 the people would boo me out of the building, that was to me because of my persona and the, the job I was asked to do, that was like applause. You know, that was, you know, that was the, that was what I wanted to hear. And, uh, and so no, I never, you know, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't get caught up into the character. I mean, I didn't become the character. Now, going to an event or or, or leaving an event, you know, you know, getting in and out of the limousine and what have you, and I w- I was in character once I showed up at the back door, and I was in character as I left. But when I got back to the hotel, it's funny. There, there would be kids that would be at the back door at the Coliseum, you know, uh, you know, throwing stuff at me and. And and uh, saying a lot of nasty stuff, and some of those same kids, you would find out where where what hotel we were in, and I would go pack and and walk into a hotel, and they're standing there with an autograph book, one an autograph, even from the Million Dollar Man. So and I and I you know and I did I, I gave autographs. So I was I didn't live the persona full time. Absolutely not.
0: Well, many many wrestlers that you worked with. Uh, I absolutely love, and you know, including Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and so many others. And you actually mentioned him earlier, but one of my uh, favorite all-time wrestlers, and is actually the, the subject of a new documentary himself, was uh, the late, great Andre the Giant. And you mentioned that you were on the road with him for a year. Tell us about Andre. What memories do you have of spending time with him? What was he like in person?
2: Andre was a great guy. I mean, you know, and what I, what I learned to appreciate about Andre is here's a guy that was so big, you know, it was his entire life. He's looking to get somewhere where he can be comfortable. Uh, you know, when he would check into a hotel, he couldn't just get a room. He had to have a room always with a king size bed. And I mean, and you think about that traveling to Japan and you go to Japan, you go to hotel rooms in Japan and you know, they would have to put him in a room and put two beds together. I mean, they did, and, you know, uh, and oftentimes the hotel rooms in, in, in Japan, the bathrooms are like a cubicle, and he could hardly get in them sometimes. So, I mean, there was, he was constantly look, you know, it's like even though he had to fly first class because, you know, he, there's no way he could get in a coach seat, but even sitting in a first class seat, he's not really that comfortable because of his size. So I noticed things like that, but but his personality, I mean, he was a great guy. Uh, you know, and he's, you know, he's notorious for, you know, consuming a lot of alcohol. What a lot of people don't know is that he hated pills, pain pills and drugs. He hated that stuff. So rather than to take pain pills, the way that he dealt with his pain was that he would drink. And, uh, and so, and, you know, because of his size, you know, he could, you know, it was just unbelievable the amount of, the amount that he could consume. So, and he, you know, that's, well known and documented, but but as as far as me, uh, a person, uh, he was very he was a great guy, very very nice guy.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear. And you know, he has this documentary that's came out called "Andre the Giant." And speaking of documentaries, uh, there's a new one uh, out right now that focuses on your life. And you know, I have to say, say when I saw it, I was going into it thinking this was just going to be another glamorous retelling of a big name in wrestling, but I was very much mistaken and surprised at just how phenomenal the film really is and it's called the price of fame and it's now available on digital and dvd can you tell us about the film and uh, what people can expect from it
2: uh the film you know it's like i've been telling my story for years and uh going to churches and evangelizing for years but i mean this is not just you know it's not a it's not a quote-unquote christian film it's a documentary it's my life story and it's And it's not just about my my faith. It's about my life's journey. And I think there's something in it for everybody. Uh, But it's the retelling. I I, I say the price of fame. The price of fame is really whatever you make it. Because we're all basically the sum total of the choices we make in life. When I was young, I made very good choices. Uh, I had a great dad, my stepfather, who raised me, who was a wrestler, not only a pro wrestler, but an amateur wrestler, three-time conference champion at the University of Nebraska, uh, lettered it, Nebraska eight times, could have played football for the Buffalo Bills and storied career, but a a guy who instilled in me good principles. And so when he died and I watched my mother sink into alcoholism and I find myself in this little town Southern Arizona, it's like, wow, what's going to happen to me here? And because I, I stayed very close to those principles and I didn't party and do all the things that kids do in high school. I didn't drink and carouse and all I I didn't do it. Uh you know, uh, you know I probably had the first beer that I ever had, you know, going into my senior year or coming out of it, you know, and going on to college. But basically I came out of this little school in southern Arizona with a with a scholarship to play college football. And that's the good side of the story. So now that this, I've made this accomplishment, now the pride of life starts to take over in my life. From the age of 18 until I was 38 years old, life became all about Ted. And, uh, you know, I started wrestling professionally in 75. My career, you know, took off as wrestling was in that, in that time, in that era, in the, in the era of what we call territorial wrestling. Uh, regional wrestling and one of the regions where i spent a great deal of my time was what we call mid-south which was the state of oklahoma arkansas louisiana and mississippi uh and i spent a great time a great deal of my time in that territory and then i went to the wwf in uh 1987 and that's where everything launched and uh, you know I, but i would already been wrestling for 12 years But the crisis in my life, the the wake-up call, the thing that brought me back to the faith that I had, even as a young man, was, you know, I tell everybody, again, God will give you enough rope to hang yourself. And so I I call home the day after WrestleMania 8, confronted with adultery by my wife. And I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, in a fraction of a second, you know, I realized that I had put at risk the things that I love the most, simply to fill a void in my life and to satisfy my ego. And, you know, that was the beginning of the journey back. Um, By the grace of God, you know, I mean, I I know and I believe that God has forgiven me. Uh, My wife forgave me and gave me a second chance. and, uh, um, And so I took that ball and I ran with it. Now, I never dreamed in a million years that it would lead to one day me walking away from wrestling as a vocation i could i mean i had physically stopped wrestling uh in 94 but i went back and i was a manager and a commentator uh and doing other things but in the year 2000 i stepped out and i started just traveling as an evangelist speaking in churches and prisons rehab centers uh wherever the door would open and it's sharing this story um uh, but when you watch The Price of Fame, it's not just my story, the story of my redemption. It's it's not my personal redemption alone, but it's the redemption of my, my marriage. It's the redemption of my family. Um, one of the things my wife said uh, when all of this happened, when we were in the heat of the, the the worst of it, she said, in spite of what you've done to me, you're a great dad. I don't want to ruin that. So these boys don't know anything about this until they're old enough to understand it. And the first time my boys ever heard it was when they heard me share my testimony from church. And I said, "Well, if they have any more questions, they'll come ask me." And those questions didn't come for a long time. But once they got married and then had their own wives and had their their had, had children, that's when those questions came. And and it's it's in the documentary. And uh, so not only the redemption of me personally and the redemption of my marriage, but uh, you know the the relationship. Uh, with my sons uh so there's a, there's a lot in this so i think there's, i think there's something in it for for everybody if you want to know the truth but the bottom line is you know fame is not what it's all what it's all what, what it's made out to be you know people see all these glamorous things whether it's a, a tv star or a, a an athletic star or what have you but what you don't see you know like I, I wrestle in a coliseum full of people but they don't see that i go back to a hotel that night that's four walls and an empty room with a tv my wife and my kids are, are uh, 200 or 2000 miles away and I do that night after night after night. And, and when you do that, that room becomes a very lonely place. And if you haven't built accountability into your life, you know, that's when you, you know, you start to stray. Uh, you go down to the bar and you have a, a beer and that beer turns into two and, and, uh, you know, on and on and on the story goes and, uh, you know, slowly you get drawn away. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and no one's perfect, uh, but it's all about choices. Uh, and I made some good choices as a young man. I made some very bad choices for a long time. And then I turned it around. And now I believe that I am trying to, you know, through this DVD and, and through what I'm doing in, in my life, you know, through a ministry that I have, is try to give back. Give back to the community and try to help uh, less fortunate and unfortunate people.
0: Right, you know, after seeing the documentary, I concluded myself that you know, even if you're not a fan of wrestling, it's still a must-see because I believe it goes a long way to show people that no matter how big or famous or or what you think you are, we're all human beings. We make mistakes, and this film shows it definitely shows that you too uh, are vulnerable. Yet you've humbled yourself, and it truly seems like your past has made you a better person. And I noticed in the documentary, it's you know, this is this kind of a family affair. You have your boys that are part of this documentary along with your wife. And um, the, the incredible thing, and the thing that I was not expecting is that, is that your boys confront you in this documentary. And I, you know, really, not really so much enjoyed, but it was great to see something like that because it wasn't just something uh, that was dealt with privately. This was something that you dealt with with your boys from your right. past on this documentary. I mean, what what was that like? You know, what was it like working with your sons and your wife with this film? And you know, well, what, what were your thoughts when they when when your son confronted you about it?
2: Um. Well, again, it's 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 pretty raw, and at the time, it's it's well, it's tough, you know. But again, uh, because of, and I think I I handled it as well as I could because I'd already been telling the story, and because. Uh, It wasn't like this was my boys just finding out. It was them finally asking questions they hadn't asked in a long time because as they asked those questions, they already knew that their mother and I were were fine. And uh, so I think that, you know, lessened the blow a little bit, but still it was was something that they had to hear from me. And uh, so it was tough. And I'll be honest, it's like, you know, when I go back and watch it, Uh, You know, you go back and you watch it, and it's like reliving it. And and sometimes that's difficult to do because, uh, obviously, you know, I want to remember because by remembering, uh, you know, every time I remember, it it keeps me from, you know, straying again. And uh, so, but it's still painful. You know, it's like, you know, you don't want to go back there. I mean, it's, and for me, it's, I think my wife is even, it's even more so for her, because she was the one that had to forgive. I was on the receiving end of the forgiveness, but my wife had had to forgive. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, she doesn't want to have to think about and relive those things all the time either. But by the same token, she realizes that getting it out there can help somebody else.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Ted, many people that are just familiar with, you know, a million-dollar man, the wrestler may not realize that you are a Christian outside of the ring. Um, tell us about when you came to know Christ. Uh, was was this something that happened before or after wrestling and fame? And you know, how did the how did the fame affect your life as a believer, even leading up to now uh, after retiring from the sport?
2: Well, I had a very strong childlike faith in God when I was young. Uh, My stepfather was, uh, DiBiase, he's Italian. Like most Italians, uh, he was Roman Catholic. And so I was raised in Catholicism. You know, I'm not, I'm a Catholic now, but, but I, uh, I had a, a very strong childlike faith in God. I went to church regularly. And when my father died, uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, in a cemetery that, that is shown in the documentary, you know, where I would go. I would, I would go out there late at night and, and, Visit my father's grave and pray, um, and I think that that childlike faith carried me through a lot of those things in my life. Watching my mother sink into despair and alcohol, and uh, but uh, again, like I said, you know, when I w- when things started going good, when I started getting the answers to the, my prayers and the, the athletics and everything, the pride of life stepped in, and the pride of life controlled me for for twenty years, and um, and it's like a pastor, who's my best friend today, said, he said, Ted, he said, God never left you. You left him in all these years. He's been trying to draw you back. And it took God allowing me, I believe, to go to the heights of fame to get all those things that I thought were so great. And in a fraction of a second, showed me how worthless they were when I realized that I might lose what's really valuable here. I might have a big house and a big car and I might be famous, be well known but without a wife to share my life with and, and without, and, 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 without having strong character and integrity in my life, all those things are meaningless. And, and that's really the story. Um, and so, um, my life and my journey as a, a genuine Christian began again in, in, uh, in 87 when, uh, I'm sorry, when, in 1992, when, when this all came to a head and I had to face my wife. That's where the journey began in 92. But it was eight years later when I stepped out in faith and, and began to evangelize. And it was something that started gradually. I mean, a couple of years earlier, I you know, uh, I started to get, I was asked to, you know, come to a church and share my story. And it was like a, a, a you know, like a snowball rolling downhill. The more I went, the more invitations I got. And pretty soon, as I started connecting the dots and my relationship to God grew, I realized this was a calling. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the last 18 years.
0: That's incredible. And, you know, for people listening in today that may, you know, have a goal of going into wrestling or professional sports, for that matter, what, what would you, you know, having... Gone through all this, all the fame and everything that you've accomplished in your life as a wrestler and as an entertainer. What, what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone who's wanting to go in this field or professional sports?
2: I would just, I would, I would, I would say, make sure you stay grounded. Build accountability in your life. Um, uh, without accountability, it's not a question of if you'll fall. It's only a question of when and how. And so, you know, like today, even though I'm a minister now and I travel and I speak, and there are two or three guys in my life who I allow to ask me the tough questions all the time. And I try to stay accountable to those people. And uh, that helps a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, Scripture says run from temptation. So, you know, if you're going to quit drinking you, know, you stay out of a bar if you know if you're going to quit you know uh doing drugs or what have you, you stay out you stay you run from the things that you know will lead you into temptation because if you play with it long enough it's like they say if you play with fire long enough you're going to get burned and so you run from it you, you you try to block it out of your life as much as you can uh and we're all human and because we're human we're we're We fall, we fail, we blow it. No shame in blowing it because that's humanity. That's our flesh. The only shame is in not getting back up. Get back up, seek forgiveness, and keep on going and don't look back.
0: That's an awesome bit of advice. Well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We greatly appreciate you coming by and telling us about your life and the new film *Price of Fame*, which is available now, and uh, they can actually go to your website and check that out and get more information about you at milliondollarman.com.
2: Milliondollarman.com, of course, uh, you know uh, Heart of David Ministry as well, and I believe that the uh, I believe that it's available on iTunes, um, and it's also available on Amazon at di- digital download. And uh, as of this month, it's 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 available on DVD at Walmart.
0: Awesome, well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for the time. God bless you.
0: All right, that's where we'll end our interview. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but radio they we do things called liners, where it's basically an introduction, like, hey, this is Ted DiBiase, and you're listening to. If I send that over to Lori. Uh, would you have the ability to be able to record some of those for me? Have you ever done those before? Yeah, uh,
2: you know, I think I could. I mean, you don't, don't do know, it just pen- over the.
0: I we can um, if you've got something to write on. I mean, I can just let tell, have you what to say. I mean, if that's easier for you.
2: Well, you know, go go ahead and send them to her, and I'll I'll try to get them to you as soon as I can.
0: Okay. Awesome.
2: Well, this something that I would do on my phone or that I would call in and do. Do
0: you, do you have an iPhone? I do. Okay. An iPhone is actually the best way to do these. It's, there's an app on your phone called the voice Memos, and yeah. you actually just read it on there. And I usually do uh, two or three of them. And then you can just send me that whole file. Um, okay. You can either email it to me or email it to her. Uh, she she gave you my number. I think I've got your number on there. So however right. you want to do that, but I'll email those over to her and, okay. uh, that would be awesome. But thanks. Thanks so much. Again, I was super excited to talk to you this morning and I had a, a lot of family that, uh, heard that I was, uh, talking to you this morning that are, that were huge fans that kind of got me into wrestling and they're like, Oh my gosh, you're talking to the million dollar man. Tell them to tell them to say <laughs> <a> thing. But <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh. And, uh,
1: We'll we'll keep in touch. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great one. All
2: right. Thanks, Jay. Bye-bye.
1: All right.